Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Come on, give Jesus your very best. Come on, he's worthy. Man, I feel like, I feel like there's like faith in the house, expectation in the house. You know, um, an old Pentecostal preacher I used to listen to would say that the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. That God can't help but move when you get in an atmosphere where you're, you're not just hoping maybe God will show up, but you're expecting that this could be the moment that everything I've been praying for happens in my life. And I feel like in that atmosphere, anything is possible. Do you believe that? Come on, it's, it's an honor to be back with you. And just remain standing for a second. And um, I, I loved your pastor. And um, usually in, in class, when we have classes, we're, we're texting each other about how bored we are out of our mind <laughs> in the moment, planning vacations, um, all kinds of things that we're doing while we should be listening. Um, I just, I feel like in the worship, God said this, Aaron, that, um, that, he's gonna, that he's elevating your voice beyond the church, this church. And hang on. And I feel like he's saying that um, what is in you, there are pastors that need that. Not what's in here, but an impartation of what is in here. And that he's doing this obviously for Tampa, and this is wonderful, but he's, but he's elevating you, not beyond this, but through this, and I want to say to you as a church, um, you're going to have to get comfortable, not that he, he won't be preaching on Sundays, but you're going to have to get comfortable with living with an open hand so that he can fulfill everything that God's given him to fulfill. Are you with me? Which means he may not be able to show up at that thing you need him to show up, but one of the other pastors may. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because the anointing that's on his life. And so you're going to have to live with an open... Not, not many churches have to do that, and it takes a special place to do that. Um, but I believe this is that place. I believe this is that culture. This is that kind of church. I love you and Katie. I thank God for you. And um, the best really is out ahead of you. Um, and as soon as we finish this doctorate, the best really will be yes. ahead of us. If you believe it, if you love your pastor, can you give him some honor? Let him know. Bible says that those who um, labor in doctrine and the word are worthy of double honor. Um, and honor isn't something that goes up, just goes up, it goes up, down, and all around in a healthy place. Um, but I would just say to you, if maybe you come from a different background and you're like, uh, that can get over on, you know, like pastor worship, give people a big head. I just promise you this as a senior pastor, um, the majority of us are not in danger of a big head. We're more in danger of quitting. Because everybody thinks we know what an encouragement we are to them, so they never say it. Because I don't want to make them prideful. 
I know the enemy does all they can, all he cans in the inner dialogue of our mind to make us think we're doing nothing that's making a difference. So the more you honor, the more you encourage, the more you fan the flame of the gift, the more you'll receive from the gift. So, you ready for the word tonight? Me too. I'm really excited about this message. I want you to have a seat. And um, I want to, uh, if I could real quick, show you my family. I think we have a picture of them. And then we're going to read the scriptures. We have a picture now? Hey, there they are. It's the circus. We call it the Floyd Circus. All six of us. We can't do one hotel room anymore, y'all. It's expensive. That's my wife. Oh, where'd they go? Come back. She's hot. I wanted to look at her again. She's good looking. That's my wife, Tammy. And uh, we pastor the church together. It's been 15 years. We celebrate 15 years as a church this year. That's my oldest, Owen. I will have a teenager next month. It's kind of crazy. Um, my daughter, Faith, is beside me. She's 10, going on 21, as you can see. She's got a little sass even through the picture. Abigail, she's three. I'm holding her. Her name means Father's Joy in Hebrew, and that's just what she is. She just brings joy wherever she goes. She is the funniest kid I've ever met, and so she gets out of trouble a lot when she should get in trouble, so I don't think that has good. And then uh, Jonas came to us on November 13th. He was born on November the 8th. He is, um, he's adopted, but he's a Floyd now, and so we just thank God for him. His, his birth mom said, he looks more like y'all than me. It's like, just, he was meant to be with us. And uh, so anyways, that's the crew, and that's the circus. Tammy sends her love. She so wanted to be here. We had some things come up at home, and she said, please tell Aaron one day I will make it to his church. And um, so that's, that's the crew, and I think I'm very blessed. Um, Mark chapter 10, it'll be on the screen for you. Disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man named Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. So they were trying to get him to shut up, but he just kept on. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said to him, and said, call the man. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. How many of you know it's a great thing when Jesus calls your name? And verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And what do you want for me? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. That's a peculiar question. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I just want to make an observation of verse 52 is this, and it's consistent throughout the New Testament, that anytime Jesus wanted to do a miracle, there was always an, attach, uh, an instruction attached um, to the miracle. Um, I'm, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but remove the stone. He's going to heal the blind man, uh, the other blind man. So he put mud on his eyes and said, go wash off your eyes. Peter and John at the city gate called Beautiful in the book of Acts. I'm silver and gold I do not have, but what I do I have in, in the name of Jesus I give you. Rise up and walk. And every time there was an instruction, if the man had never washed the mud off his eyes, he never would have saw. 
if the, blind, if the lame man at the city gate called Beautiful had never put his feet up under him like he had never done in his life and attempted to do something his muscles did not have the ability to do, stand up, he never would have stood. So I just want to encourage you, some of you are praying in this revival that God would give you a miracle, and if I had to guess, God has given you an instruction. And the instruction is the gateway to the miracle, that the miracle will come on the other end of you obeying the instruction. So don't come praying every Wednesday night when you haven't yet done what God told you to do. But the moment you'll wash the mud off your eyes, the moment you'll put your feet up under you like the lame man and do what God has told you to do, the miracle will come. That wasn't part of the message, just a freebie. Let's pray. Father, I pray you bless the reading of your word. We believe it's powerful. We believe that it has the ability to do what you sent it out to do. Matter of fact, you tell us it will not return void. So I pray in the name of Jesus tonight that you would bring breakthrough. I believe I'm on assignment to come put principalities on notice. That your children would not live below the level of their inheritance. That they would fulfill and they would receive every bit of everything heaven has to offer us that we would live in Ephesians 1. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So get rid of everything tonight that would prohibit that in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Can you thank your worship team? Man. Yeah. Woo. It's good. It's good. It's good. How many of you like to travel? Any travelers in the house? That's awesome. I love to travel. It's like one of my favorite things. If I have to pick traveling or uh, uh, something like something like a, you know, a, a car or clothes or, or something like that, I'm picking experiences every day of the week, right? I travel and I travel a lot doing doing this kind of stuff throughout the year. And um, so this is how I travel. I'm a carry on only guy. If someone wants to travel, he's take a staff member with me. Got one of our campus pastors here tonight. If if he'd have come with a check in bag. Last trip, he goes with me. I don't do check-in bags. Are y'all following me? I'm, I'm the king. This is my favorite go-to bag. This is the overnight bag. As a matter of fact, this is what I brought here. Because look at this thing. Look at that. Straight rolling. Smooth like butter, right? I mean, I just, this is how I travel. I can, I can go for long times on a carry-on only, right? I don't want to go by the counter. Um, I, I did 10 days in South Africa, preached 12 times, carry-on. Come on, somebody. I'll give you a little hack. You got to roll your socks, shove them in your shoes. You got to roll your t-shirts tight. Are you following me? I mean, I took gym clothes, everything. I took the whole deal. I worked out. I preached 12 times. I probably had six different outfits because I didn't preach at the same church. So, you know, I'm repeating outfits. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm a carry-on guy. I'm, I'm, I, can, I can make it a long time. I have another one that's a little bit, expands a little bit more, but pretty much I'm doing carry-on all the time when it's just me traveling. Now, when the Floyd Circus travels, it's a little different story. Are y'all following me? And I'm really under-visioning for you what it looks like when our family travels because um, I usually have a carry-on. Tammy has a carry-on. The originals, that's the two older kids, we call them the originals. <laughs> they have their own carry-ons because they want to bring a bunch of junk they'll never use on vacation. Come on, some parents in the house. So I'm like, I am not carrying that, right? But we have two pack and plays, two strollers. We are that family going through the airport with the cart. It is crazy. Now, when, when this happens, it is a lot of time. When I travel today, 
I got to the gate. I had to wait about 10 minutes. I thought, all right, next time I'm leaving 10 minutes later. I'm the guy. I want to pull up. I want to walk in. I'm TSA pre-check. I got my Delta thing on my app. I'm just like, hello, how are you? Good to see you again. Matter of fact, the guy at the airport's like, hey, pastor. He didn't even go to my church. He just knows. So he's like, hey, pastor. And I'm like, I, I want to walk on. I just want to walk right on the plane. Are y'all following me? I don't want to go by the counter. I don't want to talk to an agent. I love people most of the time. But I just, I just want to get to where I'm going. Anybody else just want to get where I'm going? I don't want to stand through long security lines. I just want to get to where I'm going. But whenever the Floyd Circus travels anywhere, it's like we leave three hours beforehand and we start at 30 minutes beforehand because getting everybody into the car and then we get to the airport and then it's unloaded. We, this is honest to God. We went somewhere one time where a car had to follow us just for luggage. We were going on vacation just for luggage. I had to stop by the counter. $35. Come on, somebody. $35. $35. They're like, would you like to bring oxygen on the plane? I was like, yeah, that'll be $10 per child. Are y'all following me? You want something to drink? That's $100. Are y'all with me? They want me to bring birth certificates of all my children. No lies, Southwest Airlines. Hello, if you work for them, can you change this? I had a 10-day-old in a ergo on my wife, and they were like, are you sure he's a lap child? Need to see a birth certificate. But I was like, <laughs> and so th this is my life. Now, now, if, if I was traveling today to come here and, and literally brought, thankfully the church provided this, if I brought all this with me, if I'm like just me traveling, walking through the airport with my luggage cart stacked high, people would think I was crazy, right? Because I packed way more than I needed. And if I had taken all this, it would have cost me time. It would have cost me more money. It would have cost me energy because I would have had to get there early. I would have had to go into the gate. I would have had to go into the ticket counter. I'd have to check all this stuff in. And here's what I'm convinced about some of us in life is that we're on the destination to where God wants to take us, but we've packed way more than we need. That we've packed... Way more than we need. And, and throughout life, all kinds of things in life happen that, that add this to the baggage card of our life, right? Like, like negative experiences can add some things to the, to the baggage card of your life. And, and people speaking death over your life can add some things to the baggage card of your life. And, and you, said, you said it would be for forever and you covenanted between God and, and the other person and then they walked out on you and that added something else to the baggage card of your life and you, you, were, you were touched in a way you never should have been touched and you were treated in a way you never should have been treated and it added something else to the baggage card of our life. And so we wonder why we can never move forward while we feel stuck in life because all those things have added unforgiveness and it's added bitterness to our life and, and we've stacked on hurt and we've stacked on anger and we've stacked on hatred of maybe ourselves and maybe of somebody else in our life and we just keep stacking things on the luggage cart of our life and we wonder why can I never seem to get like lift off? Like why can't I live with like this Abundant life, I hear everybody talk about, is because your baggage card is weighed down. And you're taking on the journey of life way more than God ever intended for you to take. Way more than God ever wanted you to take. And so you wonder why, because you're carrying these, this stuff. And, and, and it's the reason why when something happens in your life, Often your response is way elevated above the level of what took place. 
Have you ever been bumped in the airport? I, I was preaching in Dallas last week, and I was walking through the Dallas airport, and, and it's like, you know, I was in the great country of Texas, and, and it was like so many people in the Dallas airport, and, and they're all wearing Cowboys gear, which I'm like, I'd be embarrassed of your team, but I'm just saying, she got a new coach coming, so there you go, um, about time, and so... I'm walking through Dallas Airport, and, and no one is meaning to. Like, no one is, like, ill will, like, looking at me going, I'm going to bump that guy, right? No one's doing that. It's like whenever you have a cup of coffee in your hand, it's, like, kind of full, and someone doesn't see it, and they come up, and they're like, hey, how are you? Kind of slapping, and you're like, ah! You know, especially if shoes on that are suede, you're like, get away from me. I don't want to spill it on my clothes, right? It's not that they meant to. They just bumped into you, and sometimes people bump into you in life. And it really wasn't an, an event that should have caused you to respond in anger like that, but because you have anger on the baggage card of your life, it's just what comes out whenever you get bumped. And, and what they said wasn't really offensive, but you took it to a place that they never meant for it to go, and it's not because they really meant anything by it, it's because you have offense on the baggage card of your life. And so anytime you barely get grazed, anytime you barely get bumped, anytime anyone barely bumps into you, you respond in a way that you hate and you don't like, and, and it's just not what you want in your life. And the reason is, is because you still have scabs and you don't have scars. See, a scar is an indicator that you went through something, you were wounded, but it's healed. A scab indicates that there's not been any healing. I was born with my, my uh, two middle fingers webbed together. I was a great swimmer. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. I do like the water, but... And so, when I was, uh, when I was two years old... They had a specialist because they were worried about the nerves and paralyzing my arm and my hand and all these kind of things. So it was a big deal, you know, whenever I was like two. It was like um, early 90s and, and technology. <laughs> so they just wanted to make sure they didn't paralyze my hand, you know. And you can even see on this hand like how they, they cut a little further down because they thought it would, it would grow back up. Somebody say Gross. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We cast that devil out of you. No. And so they, they did it, and then they had to take skin from my leg and skin graft it in. So I have these scars in here. I've always had these scars. I, I've never known life without these scars. But I don't have any pain when I hold anything. I don't have any pain swinging a golf club. I don't have any pain picking up my children. I don't even think about this until sometimes I'm washing my hands, and I'm like, oh, yeah. That was a surgery I had because this happened in my life. Are you following me? Scars tell a story, but scars don't reopen. And so many of us are walking around with scabs. And, and we, we never let that issue heal in that last relationship. And it's why in this one, you wonder why it's a different person, but the same story. And we never let that thing heal over in that last job. And so you're in this new job and you're experiencing the same thing. And oh, and again, now it's your boss. Once again, it was the boss the last time, 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 and now it's the boss again. It could be that you've got a scab and not a scar. And it could be that in that last relationship, he mistreated you, took advantage of you, but it could be you have a scab of insecurity. So you keep giving your body to men that don't love you, don't care about you, don't value you, don't have your best 
disinterest, that heart, because you won't let the scab heal. And so you got all these scabs on the luggage cart. There's no scars. I've got some scars. I got a scar underneath my chin whenever I was a kid. You know, they made bathtubs out of porcelain. And I fell in the bathtub one time and I busted my chin and my mom said blood went everywhere and I got a little scab. But I, I don't think about it until I, until I see it because it's healed over. It's a, it's a scar. I've got some scars in here. I've got some scars in here. Are you following me? I've got some scars of some pain, of, of things I've had to walk through in my past. I've got, I've got some scars in here, but they're scars. They're a story. But when you bump me, you don't get the scar. Whenever life's pressure comes on me, nothing comes out of the scar. When I pull my hand into a fist, my, my scars don't break through when you see my... But with scabs, it's a different story. If they get rubbed just right, the whole wound opens back up. That's why some of you are making current relationships pay for something the last relationship did. Because when they rub your scab, that old wound opens up. They had nothing to do with what you're feeling right now. But just because they said something that kind of sounded like something from the past, it opened that scar back, that, wound, that scab back up, and you continue over and over. And you're wondering, why am I dealing with the same things over and over? Because you've never resolved. And you're packing way more than you need. So we were on vacation one time, and uh, my son Owen, um, you know, you have boys so they can do work. And <laughs> you have girls so they can stay with you forever. You have boys so they can assist around the house. So we're in the airport, and uh, I stack a luggage cart up. And, you know, I put my 25 cent in, got my cart, and then I'm ashamed to tell you, we stacked another cart up. <laughs> I was like, Owen, oh, this is your cart. I'm pushing this cart. Um, we, were, we were out of overseas, and I was like, all right, we got to go through customs with all this and passport and all this. So we're, we're just, you know, doing the thing. And um, I stacked all my stuff up, and I got behind the cart, and I couldn't see to walk through the airport. Can I tell you, your baggage will blind you? Your baggage will blind you. It'll blind you from being able to see where God wants to take you. It'll blind you from being able to see joy. It'll blind you from being able to have hope for your tomorrows. It will blind you in so many areas of your life. And I just want to declare over you, this isn't how God intended for you to live. You can be saved on your way to heaven full of scars. You can also be saved on your way to heaven full of scabs. Walking through life blinded by the baggage because you're packed way too much for the journey. And you should have only taken what you need. So I want to talk to us in the next few minutes about how do we set this down. How do I set this down? And I think we see it from blind Bartimaeus. How do we, how we set this down? And here's what I want to say to you. If what you were doing would have worked, you would have set it down by now. And so maybe you should try God's way. I'm just telling you, I'll tell you where I'm going before I get there. It will take a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It is not more Prozac. I'm not against medicine. It is not more counseling. I am for counseling. Are you following me? But there are some things in your life that the beginning point, the starting block, is a supernatural touch of the Spirit of God that breaks the yoke, 
that destroys the bondage that sets you free in the name of Jesus. What your pastor said earlier, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Can I tell you what being free indeed is? I don't know if you remember three or four years ago whenever in upstate New York or New England area, there were a few prisoners that escaped. I don't know if you remember this, but they escaped, and there was a manhunt for many days, I think a week or more, and they ended up finding them, like, in some neighborhood or something, um, hiding under somebody's, like, boat cover or something, but they, they were on escape for, and so for two weeks or so, they were free. Think about it. Nobody was telling them when to get up, when to go out to the yard, when to go eat. They were free, but for two weeks, they ran looking over their shoulder. When you are free indeed, you don't live your life looking over your shoulder, wondering, is that thing going to catch up with me? Is that issue going to finally find its way in here? Is that last deal going to finally find its way into my present or into my future? When you are free, you are free indeed. You walk into your destiny with peace and joy and hope because you're free indeed. And that's what God wants for you. So the scripture said that blind Bartimaeus was a beggar. His physical ailment had affected his economic status, so he was poor. And I have found that whenever the baggage of our life blinds us, we become impoverished. We become impoverished in our joy. We become impoverished in our peace. We become impoverished in our person. I'll tell you this, you will eventually, if you continue to carry this long enough, you'll become impoverished in relationships in your life because this will cost you. Going by the ticket counter of life costs you. The enemy will make you pay a price. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It can cost you relationships. It can cost you purpose. It can cost you destiny. It can make you impoverished. It is the mission statement of the enemy found in the book of John in chapter 10. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. The first thing in the list is to rob from you, to impoverish you. When you're blinded by your baggage, you'll be impoverished. You'll feel like you lack, like you're always living from a deficit and never living out of an overflow. And so because of his blindness and his impoverishedness, he was set to be on the side of the road begging people that would come by. And one day Jesus and his disciples started coming by and it said that he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by. Now, I don't know if this is true. There's a guy on staff that has lost a sense and, and told me this is true at, at my church. But I've heard that if you lose one sense, and others heighten. So like if you, if you can't see, like your sense of hearing goes up. So I don't know what he was hearing about Jesus. I don't know what the chatter of the crowd was. I don't know if they was like, hey, there's Jesus of Nazareth and he's walking by. And I don't know if they were telling some stories. Are you with me? I don't know if they were like, hey, did you hear about the... The whole thing with Lazarus, that was pretty crazy. Did you hear about the whole five loaves and two fishes and feeding 5,000? Did you? I don't know what the conversation was. I just kind of wonder, though, in my holy imagination, which I think you should do sometimes with you reading the scripture, it's so exciting. I just wonder if somebody was like, did you hear about the blind guy? And if Bartimaeus wasn't like, what did he say? And maybe two people were talking off to the side, and Bartimaeus is listening in on the conversation, a little eavesdropping, and he's like, yeah, he, he like spit in some mud, then he put it on the guy's eyes, and then he went and washed it in the pools, and he came back and he could see. And I wonder if it was at that moment that Bartimaeus goes, Jesus, have mercy on me. 
And the people tried to shut him up. But I want us to notice the first thing that Bartimaeus did is that he cried out to Jesus. He cried out to Jesus. He didn't cry out to, to maybe I should try harder, maybe I should do better. We're all crying out in some way. He just determined to direct his cry to the person of Jesus, the one that I could actually solve it, the one that I could actually do something for him. But here's what I need you to understand about this cry is that it wasn't um, a socially acceptable cry. It wasn't a well-curated cry, loud enough to get the attention of Jesus, but not too loud to make people uncomfortable around him. It wasn't, the crown of, it wasn't a proper cry. Hey, Jesus, if you have some time, if you're not too busy, if you can fit it in your schedule, would you mind to make your way over? Because I'm blind, and I would love to see. Totally, totally get it, though, if you're busy. Lots of people around you. It, it, it wasn't that kind of cry. It was the kind of cry that came from deep within the desperation of Bartimaeus. And I'm just telling you, I think God is waiting on some of us to get to a point where we are so tired of being tired, to a point where we just say, God, I don't, I don't care what everybody else thinks around me. I've got to get this thing resolved on the inside of me. This is why I always say, don't ever judge somebody's worship. Because you don't know the hell they fought all week. You don't know what, what they may have been dealing with the week to even get into the building. You don't know what God has done in your life. You don't know where he's made a way where there was no way. You don't know that he may have set them free from addiction or sexual addiction or drug addiction. You don't know how he put their marriage back together. They praise him in a way that you don't praise him because they've walked through some things that maybe you've never walked through. You can't judge somebody's worship. You can't judge Bartimaeus' cry. He was blind and he knew it. The problem is some of us don't cry because we don't even know we're blind. He was blind and he knew it. And he knew that there was a window of opportunity, that there was an open heaven, there was a moment. And I believe that God is omnipresent. I know my theology. He is all places at all times. He is all-knowing. I understand that. But I do believe there's moments in these revival moments where heaven opens in a way I cannot explain, like it doesn't on other times, where there is a level of faith in the room, anticipation and expectation. And the eyes of the earth, the eyes of God, the Bible says, are scanning the earth to and fro, looking for who he will show himself strong on their behalf. I think he's looking for a cry. And not your nice little church cry. Not the nice little I'll cry, but I don't want anybody to notice. I'll shout out to Jesus, but I don't want it to cost me anything. Here's the deal. You're already paying a price. You might as well pay the price of freedom. Sometimes the price of freedom is a cry. It's a Jesus. Have mercy on me. It's something that comes from deep inside you where you say, I'm tired of my marriage existing and not thriving. I'm willing to cry. I'm tired of battling this addiction. 
I'm tired of dealing with these insecurities. I'm tired of living under this anxiety. I'm tired. I am done with this. I am tired. I'm not living. This is not my norm. This is not just how life's going to be. Maybe the abundant life is for other people. I must be off in a sect of the church that doesn't get that. That is not the plan of God for your life. But it takes something on the inside of you that will stiffen your spine like steel and cause your head to raise up and go, devil, you will not steal from me anymore. You will not take from me anymore. I will not live live this life letting you rob me steal and kill the purpose of God in my life I will get what's mine and I will get it in this moment son of David have mercy on me and it was the cry of Bartimaeus that got the attention of Jesus you've got to cry above the chatter of the crowd Something about the voice of Bartimaeus, something about that cry, something about the desperation pierced through the the hover of the crowd and the chatter of the crowd and the noise of the crowd and caught the ear of Jesus. It's not about the loudness of your voice, it's about the intense desire of your heart. So Jesus calls him over. It's a powerful moment when Jesus calls your name. And they said, cheer up, get up. Now they're always friends. <laughs> First they're like, shut up, bro. Stop yelling. It makes me uncomfortable for you to yell. Let me tell you, it, religious people will get uncomfortable when desperate people start crying. But I'm telling you, when desperate people start crying, heaven starts noticing. And I just am going to take a guess and say that your pastors didn't plant their life here to build a country club for saints, but to build an emergency room for sinners. And I don't know about you, but in an emergency room, there's some crying. And in an emergency room, there's a little bit of mess. And in an emergency room, you got to do some triage and cover some wounds and help some healing come into the life of people. We didn't come to this city to build a country club, a rotary club. Go join them. They're awesome. Invite me to golf. We came to build an emergency room for sinners. If you're going to be that kind of church, you've got to get comfortable with the cry of broken people and of hurting people. So Jesus calls him over and he asks him a question. It's a very peculiar question to me. Blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I'm one of the disciples. I'm like, "Uh, hey, Peter. (laughs) Jesus, no, he can't see. I thought he was Messiah, like all-knowing son of God. I even love the text. Like, it it makes me laugh. Like, um, What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said. (laughs) Rabbi, I want to see. (laughs) I just had a little little tense shoulder pain. You know, if you could just help that, work that out. You mind to work that out, Jesus? Just right there. I'm a little sarcastic, you know, in my mind. It's been like, yeah, I just got a short shoulder. I'm good. I don't like leaving. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was blind. What is Jesus asking him? Let me give you a little insight. 
Jesus never asks a question because he's in need of information. There's never a question he proposed in the scripture because he was in need of information. He knows it. He needed to know, did Bartimaeus know what the real issue was? And I think the Holy Spirit is saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? But do you know what the real issue is? See, he is a healer, but he can't heal the fake you. He can't heal the church you. Hey, how are you? I'm Grace. Good week. God bless you. Brother. <laughs> Holding your wife's hand. People are like, how y'all doing? You're like, great. Squeezing her hand going, if you say anything about the fight we had in the car on the way here. Right? And so we pray these like church prayers. Nights like this, God, uh, I just want to get better. What does that mean? How about God, I have so much anger in my heart towards my dad who wasn't around for me and now I'm spilling that anger on my children and I carry shame and guilt and I feel like I'm in a cycle I can't get out of and I'm afraid I'm repeating the curse on another generation. Jesus goes, I can work with that. How about instead of just saying, God, would you, I just so want a, I so want a husband, I so want just someone to lead me spiritually, and, and I just really need that. I think that's good. But why don't you come to God with, God, I'm so insecure, and that's why I keep giving myself away to people that don't even care about me. And it leads me to deeper shame and deeper guilt. I feel like I can say that to nobody I ask myself the question, what kind of person even does what I do and still shows up at church? Jesus goes, all right, that, we can start with that. I can, I can work with that. What do you want me to do? Bartimaeus, do you know you're blind? What do you want me to do? Do you know you're blind? What do you want him to do? He can work with the real you, the vulnerable you, the transparent you, not the fake you, not the polished you, not the I took 12 pictures till I could get the one I really wanted to post on social media you, not the I had to beat my children for the Christmas card you, and we finally got one picture where everybody was smiling, and then I spanked all of them afterwards. Maybe that's just my house. God wants the real you. And then what did he say to him? He said, go. Go. You're healed. And he went immediately. But then the text says, and then he followed Jesus along the road. So I believe, I believe that God can do anything in a moment. But I think sometimes breakthrough begins in a moment and works itself out over time. Because we didn't get here overnight. But I found that as I walk, walk along the road with Jesus, I found that he allows me to deal with one issue and then, but I still got some other issues that I got going on. Are you following me? 
and then he allows me to get rid of another issue, and then I, I still got some other stuff going on, and he allows me to get rid of another issue, and I find that I get myself to a place where I'm only taking what I need. I'm only traveling with what I need. I'm not paying the price the enemy wanted me to pay anymore. I'm only traveling with what I need, and so, so what do I need to take? You can stay standing if you want. You can sit down. I got. If you want, I don't care. How do I, how do I do this? And what do I need to pack? Two things. I need to release. That's me getting real with God, not to fake you. I need to release it. I need to release it. I may need to forgive somebody. I may need to let go of something. What's on your cart may be a secret sin. I need to confess it so I can get forgiveness to God. I need to confess it to somebody else so I can get healing, James 5, 16. And what do I receive? Holy Spirit, fill that place. See, what happens is all this begins to crowd out space for God. But the more we push it out, the more we can say, Holy Spirit, fill that. Holy Spirit, fill that. So you know what I wanna take on the journey? I just need the Holy Spirit. I just need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to come with me. Because when I pack that, I've got love, I've got joy, I've got peace, I've got patience, I've got gentleness, I've got self-control, I've got all that I need in the Holy Spirit because He alone is able to break off every one of these things in my life. In a moment, He can break off the unforgiveness. He can break off the bitterness. He can break off the addiction if I will release it and I'll let it go and I'll receive it and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout release. Somebody shout receive. Somebody shout release. Somebody shout release. Come on, give Jesus your greatest ovation if you believe it. Come on, everybody, stand to your feet and sing this if you believe it. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Come on, we sing it out. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't you lift your hands across this place? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you'd say, God's revealed to me, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit just brought something to your mind that I've been carrying, some baggage I've been carrying around. I need to release it tonight. I've been living fake with God. I need to get real in some area of my life. And I just need the Holy Spirit to fill that place, to heal that. I want scars, I don't want scabs. I don't wanna keep living out of the wounds of the past. I want wholeness, I want healing. If that's you right now, would you just lift your hand to heaven? That's you, God bless you. Just lift your hand to heaven, that's you, keep it up. I wanna pray for you. We're gonna believe together, we're gonna join our faith together. And we're gonna believe that chains will fall right now. We're gonna believe it, and we're gonna believe 
that the Holy Spirit of God is gonna fill every spot that you've been filling with other things. You need the supernatural power of God. If you could have done it on your own, you'd do it by now. You need Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. You said all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given to you. And so we take authority right now over the work of the enemy that wants us to pay for things and wants us to be stuck in life and wants to crowd out the places in our life where God wants to just consume. And so, Father, I pray right now that, right now, just name it to Jesus. I release this. I just release it. I let it go. It may be a person. It may be forgiveness. It may be anger. It may be whatever it is. I just release it. Maybe that you're something from the past. Someone, just to get real, someone molested you, your parents walked out on you, that spouse who you thought would be with you forever, just release it right now. And then just right now, just ask God, Holy Spirit, fill us. Just Holy Spirit, fill that wounded area. He's the only one that can heal it. So take that scab and make it a scar right now. Holy Spirit, just take that scab and make it a scar. And we believe right now in the name of Jesus that chains are falling. We believe that chains are falling right now in the name of Jesus. We send the enemy on notice, not this day, not in our life, not in this generation. We will not accept and we will not live below the level of our inheritance. You will not ruin our story. You will not mar our lives. You will not draw us into things that will seem pleasurable for a moment and then make us carry shame and guilt for months and weeks after. No more today. And we believe it and we declare it in the name of Jesus. Come on, sing that I hear the chains falling. Come on, declare that by faith. I hear the chains falling. Come on, they're falling into your life right now. Let this be your Bartimaeus cry moment. Come on, sing. There's power in the name of Jesus.
Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.